This week on The Book Drop, we recommend titles for some of our favorite characters of the season, are humbled by an internet quiz, and talk about our favorite monsters and spooky characters for Query of the Week. This is The Book Drop. Hello and welcome to The Book Drop, Omaha Public Library's podcast about books, our community, and the joy of reading. I'm Erin Dewar, the Readers and Writers Librarian for OPL, and I'm at our Benson branch. Hello, I'm Michelle Carlson. I'm the Book Club Librarian, and I work at the W. Clark Swanson branch. Hey, this is Anna Wilcoxon. I'm at the Downtown branch, and I am the Diversity and Inclusion Librarian for OPL. Um, we have so many events coming up, y'all. Um, so speaking of the downtown branch, we just had a bunch of really awesome art installed here over the last few weeks. We are having a reception to honor the artists and give folks a chance to check out the art on Saturday, October 28th from 2 to 4 p.m. There'll be a discussion with the artists at 3 p.m. There'll be light refreshments. If you haven't been to the downtown branch yet, it's a lovely uh, opportunity to come check it out. This space is really so nice. Um, so that's the downtown branch artwork reception on Saturday, the 28th from two to four. Also with the downtown branch, we have an author visit on Sunday, November 12th from three to 4 PM. The author Tosca Lee is going to be here to talk about her new book, the long March home, which is inspired by a true story. Um, set kind of around like world war two era topics. Um, so we will have, uh, her talk about her book and then followed by a Q and A and a book signing. And there'll also be books available for purchase. That's Sunday, November 12th from three to four. And then not downtown, but at the new genealogy center, uh, we have a very cool program on Saturday, November 18th from two to 3 PM called your genealogy. Is it in the cards? So this is a mashup of like tarot and genealogy. So if you didn't know that was what was missing from your life, you should definitely come check out this event. It sounds really cool. Um, it's a lighthearted approach to using tarot cards as a means of connecting with your ancestors. You can learn what an ancestral tarot spread is and how to identify birth cards for yourself and for your ancestors. You also will be able to make your own tarot cards and use tarot-themed tarot props for one-of-a-kind selfies, which just sounds super cute and fun. So that's Saturday, November 18th at the Genealogy and Local History Room at 2 o'clock. Your genealogy is it in the cards. Um, not that tarot is inherently spooky or anything like that, but it is spooky time, um, our favorite season here on the book drop. And so we are going to do a BuzzFeed quiz party <laughs> and together we are going to take the quiz, which horror movie stereotype are you? Um, all right. And with that, let's get this party started. Oh, there's a countdown in Ooh, everything. <laughs> yeah. Adrenaline is pumping. Okay. So uh, as I said, the title of this quiz is Which Stereotypical Horror Movie Character Are You? So it was created by Vic, a community contributor Thanks, from the BuzzFeed community. Um, and our little caption is, you've been hired as a counselor at Camp Tippy-Bomb. Tippy-Bomb? Tippy-Bomb. What could go wrong? <laughs> Tippy-Bomb. <laughs> Okay, while everybody is taking this quiz, I'm going to run through the questions really quick so our listeners know what we're working on. Uh, so you're starting your road trip to camp. Which song are you picking to start your playlist? What essentials are in your travel bag? If you had to pick an 80s slasher, which would it be? What's your weapon of choice to fight the bad guy? Which camp activity do you sign up for first? 
It's close to midnight and all the lights go out. You're asked to go fix the breaker box half a mile away from your cabin. What do you do? Being a camp counselor isn't the best summer gig. Why are you doing it? It's the night before the campers arrive and to celebrate, you and your fellow counselors decide to hang around a campfire. What are you doing there? You've definitely been hearing some strange noises during your early morning jog, and it's not an animal. After a few minutes, you realize that there's someone watching you from behind a tree. What do you do? One of the counselors hasn't been seen for a few hours, and it's past curfew. What do you do? And lastly, the worst has happened. You've just been attacked by a masked stranger wielding a chainsaw. Unfortunately, you've been separated from the group and are trapped by a ba- with a badly injured counselor. What do you do? And those are the questions to this quiz. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. <gasps> <gasps> okay. Why? All right. Why? This is, I know. I found this baffling also. Yeah. I, I just, on the last <laughs> question, I said I would not leave the person behind. So I feel really bad. Okay. So um, I am apparently the backstabbing friend. You're the most gutless boob to have ever started a campy horror flick. At every chance that presents itself, you run and abandon each of your friends, leaving a trail of snot and tears behind you. Vic, rude. What hurts most, though, is the fact that you had the potential to be one of the greatest survivors. The audience doesn't blame the killer for impaling you on a tree branch and roasting you over a campfire because, let's face it, you deserve it. Coward. Rude. No. I delete <laughs> yeah i do uh i question this uh quiz methodology so yes for sure. i got the promiscuous one that dies first <laughs> i don't know if that's because i like there was an answer about or question about like if you would like like that you would have like a party before the kids showed up or something like yeah drinks, which i would um, and there are also some questions about yoga that I like. I always chose like the yoga answer, and I don't know if that like I was right. Like, why is I what whatever? Anyway, so the description for this one, Vic says, keep it in your pants. There are people dying. It's not as though you're not smart enough or strong enough to survive through the night. It's just bad timing. You went out like a real one, though. Only a few minutes after finishing your activities with the blonde counselor in charge of arts and crafts, the killer stuck a broken ore paddle through your throat. We salute you, you little minx. <laughs> Whoa. It's like vicious. I feel like I... Wow. I'm trying to find a, a yeah. good way to say mine on a work-related podcast. I'm going to say the res- surprisingly resourceful <laughs> one who likes to party, I guess, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> of all people who, how do you make it out alive? Luckily for you, those herbs you swear by or you swear you have a prescription for had you super paranoid and in your head. So you hoofed it back to the nearest gas station at the first sign of danger. I also would not abandon my friends. I picked multiple answers that I would like go and find the person in the woods. Um, if yes. there, this were an actual movie, you'd be the one to make a killer playlist for the road trip to camp. The audience loves you, partier, but you butcher, but your butchered friends, yeah, not so much in so many ways. <sighs> I want to know if anybody gets to be the final girl and what you did to do yeah, that. Yeah, so. the final girls. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, 
Well, apparently it's a good thing none of us are in like an actual horror movie because we truly would not fare very well. Aaron, maybe it's not at least you I live. Out, but the only time I said like Michelle I would leave is doomed. like I'm with someone who's injured. What do you do? And I was like, I have car keys, and I would take them, and we would get in a car and leave. <laughs> but then I'd right, then yeah, I'd the probably call the cops yeah. and like have them come save everybody. Yeah. Well, I, now we're all just offended. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also did say I would have a party the night before what? the campers get there. Like, you're going to be with, like, yeah. maybe a bunch kids. of kids for, like, a couple weeks. At least weeks, a couple weeks. Like, like, you know, I'm just going to sit around the campfire. Like, we're going to have a drink. That's the extent drinks. of it, though. Yeah. I wouldn't bring anything illegal to a environment with children. I'm just going to say that. What uh, What did you guys choose for your weapons? I said shotgun because I think the others are so wieldy. Sh- but shotgun only has two shots, so that's like super yeah. risky too. <laughs> well, I didn't think about that. But yeah, it also said shotgun. My other answer would have been axe, but I've also like axes are heavy and I don't I, know I if I can I just don't think I can wield that, that in a way but... that would be super efficient or like helpful to yeah. myself. That's why I chose a, a hammer. I felt like I could like but, swing a hammer uh, with a lot uh-huh. of confidence. A hammer you like, like have. And it, like stabbing oh things God. freaks me out. Yeah. I, can't I feel do like that, a hammer like, as a weapon takes like a lot of rage. You got to like, you're close to them. You got to hit really I mean, hard. You're like, I have rage, Aaron. <laughs> if they're trying to I kill you. That. That's true. If someone's uh, trying to kill me, anger. I have rage. Yeah. I just, yeah. No, I feel like I, yeah, I would. I, I'm fine fighting yeah. about something. Like I feel like that is great. But yeah, you do have to be like close yeah. to a person to like hurt them. Well, Unless you have some elaborate like Home Alone style like <laughs> gold Rune Goldberg machine <laughs> up where a hammer comes down from a tree branch or something. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I would have loved to that's know who is who got final girl and how you did it because that's what we I mean. Everyone mm-hmm. just wants to be that. So. Yeah. Um, cool. Fun, but upset. I'm, yeah, offended. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd, and I'm also like, uh, oh, I guess those are the stereotypes mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm. though. So Totally. Yeah. So today we are talking about, we decided it would be really fun to recommend books for, we're calling them our spooky pals, but just for, you know, those characters, talking about characters and archetypes. Those characters in scary movies. So we all picked some characters from scary fiction um, or spooky fiction or Halloween movies. And then we're going to recommend them some books, which I think should be a good time. So Anna, who are you recommending for? Uh, Well, so my friend Beetlejuice (laughs) was looking for some uh, new novels to read. If you do not know the character Beetlejuice, he is from a movie of the same name. So this man... Is he a man? He's kind of like a he's like an undead. He must I don't know have been what a variety man, of monster right? You, right at some points, but he's no he like he he's not in the land of living. He's kind of a ghost. He has some shape shifting abilities and kind of like magical powers. He's also really rude and like crude and mischievous, and he's selfish and he's kind of a womanizer. So he's not like. Um, you know, someone you maybe want to put a lot of your is that not someone you want to rely on heavily for serious things. So in this movie, he is. Uh, um, so there's like a couple that have been killed in a car accident. He's like been hired to help this 
like this dead couple, the couple of ghosts, like scare a new living family out of their um, their home when they were alive. So that's what he's there to do. So he, yeah, he's just there to kind of like raise hell, basically. Um, so one of the books I thought he might like was Lolita because <laughs> that's like one of the like original like kind of literary creeps, like oh, the character in that yeah. novel. And he, uh, Beetlejuice is definitely a creep. So, um, so in Lolita, pretty famously, the main character is in love with a teenager. It's a little bit bleak, but, uh, you know, he's unlikable, he's unreliable, and he's also a man that doesn't think he has to play by society's rules, which is very much like Beetlejuice's approach to life or his undead life, however you would want to characterize that. I also thought a book called The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch would be a good one. It's like a fantasy crime caper novel and i just feel like uh beetlejuice would love a caper he likes to get into the mix likes to cause trouble likes chaos um just a yeah mischievous mischievous guy so the subgenres for this book are sword and sorcery and scum and villainy which both seem applicable to the beetlejuice story too the main character in this book is Locke lamora and in this world they're like a famous uh con artist with like kind of a quote rubbery ethics and he's also somewhat of like a folk hero. So kind of like a morally great character. Also lots of banter in this book. It's kind of known for that. And that's a thing I think about when I think about like Beetlejuice is all of these like kind of sassy quips and like, um, yeah, he always has something to say. So he might like a fantasy caper novel. And then also this book, I had to choose it because of the title. Uh, it's called Hold Me Closer, uh, Necromancer by Lish McBride. Um, if you aren't struck by the title, uh, look up the song Tiny Dancer by Elton John and you will then be, not be able to not say it with that same rhythm in your head when you see it. This is actually a young adult wreck. And it's sometimes goofy and sometimes gory. And that was what primarily made me think that it might be a read that Beetlejuice would like. He is like, he does cause real damage, but he is also ultimately a very silly being. Um, so in this book, it's, we get the story of Sam, who has been working in fast food, and he learns that he's actually a necromancer. And there's another more established area necromancer who is angry about the presence of a second person in the mix with that ability. So he views him as a threat and starts targeting Sam. And Sam has to team up with friends that include like a werewolf and a ghost to try to outsmart him. So kind of like this, I don't know, this, I feel like Beetlejuice, I remember like kind of like a ragtag group of like different kinds of like kind of spooky creatures getting together or in conflict with each other. And this book also seems to mash up like humor and gore really well. And I think that would charm our friend Beetlejuice. Um so I hope that uh, I hope that he likes uh, the book Rex that I picked for him. Um, maybe he'll show up in my nightmares one day and tell me about it. Um, I think it's important to know that they're working on Beetlejuice too. Like it's supposed to come out next year. Yeah, really. So Winona Ryder no is back, and then Jenna Ortega plays her daughter. Uh, Michael Keaton's back <sighs> as Beetlejuice. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is okay. back in some way. Uh, also has William Defoe, yeah, William Defoe, Monica Bellucci, and then Justin Throw. I don't know what he plays, but I'm. I generally like huh. don't need well, sequels to like exciting. like cult classics sometimes because you're like they're just gonna ruin it. But I'm mm -hmm. super into like Jenna Ortega and Winona Ryder and like all of it. Yeah, that all mm -hmm. sounds great. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, yes. And they're back at the house, uh, which I feel I like think... is very important. That Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 I need to rewatch that movie. It's been a long time. Uh, but it's, yeah, yeah. very fun. Um, yeah. Aaron, I think we get a, a Who What Monster are you I doing RA for? I'm recommending some books to Hannibal Lecter, who, if you don't know, is an intellectual cannibal who loves the finer things in life. <laughs> Um, I thought I'd be really deep on this and I found this like academic paper about like the motivations of Hannibal because I actually didn't know like his backstory. And I'll tell you, it made me super sad because his, I guess in the third book, you like find out what his trauma is that like made him into a cannibal. And it was that at the end of World War II, his like family, like only him and his sister like survived the war and they are like kidnapped by these deserters who are cannibals and that's where that comes from so like oh huh. less Hannibal Lecter's not fun but like less fun when you know where he's coming from but I couldn't I still couldn't get past of like well we've talked about this before like cannibalism's having a moment there's a lot of good books almost all of which david has talked about somewhere so it was really hard to get away from <laughs> books that david hasn't talked about somewhere so i'm talking about a couple of those um so the first one is a certain hunger by chelsea summers uh this is uh she's a food critic uh she is like a really likes discerning things um and uh she also is how do i say this she has an insatiable hunger for life, let's say that, in food and life and those other parts of life. And it eventually drives her to become a cannibal. So I just see Hannibal Lecter. I mean, I'm sure she's kind of based on the archetype of Hannibal Lecter. She loves food. He loves to kill people and cook up their parts and fancy dishes. Um, I don't know if she goes to that point, but she loves food and is a food critic. So this is like a very transgressive fiction, uh, twisted, character-driven, and darkly humorous. Another one I would recommend for him, not cannibalism, but it feels related in the way, and it's called Woman Eating by Claire Coda. Um, this is a vampire tale set in London and centers on Lydia, who's like a food-obsessed Gen Z vampire. She's been raised by like her mom, who's like a kind of like self-hating vampire. And when she finally is able to separate herself from her mom and she's been, she's been like raised on pig's blood her whole life. She, and she's like trying to make it in London as like an artist. She like works at a gallery, lives with these other artists in a flat, but then she runs out of pig's blood and then finally gets the first taste of human blood and then goes down that road. But this too, again, sounds very like almost fun. Like one of the descriptions is that Lydia spends her nights and weekends holed up in her windowless studio, binging Buffy the Vampire Slayer and watching YouTube videos of strangers eating, desperate for the kind of connection to earth and other people that actual food allows humans to feel, which also sounds kind of beautiful. She Ooh. just like wants to enjoy yeah. life. Um, uh -huh. So that's one. And then my last one, because I also kind of went into this being like, I can't, you're not going to change Hannibal Lecter. I, he's, I think, one of the monsters that you're like, there's no like therapy that fixes Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter is who he is. We've decided we will put him in a cell and try to just contain him. You can't like change this person. Um, so I think David talked about this book at one point, Cannibalism, A Perfectly Natural History. It's like a micro history about cannibalism in nature in animals and humans and how that actually is, has is kind of a natural part of certain parts of life. Um, so I guess to make Hannibal Lecter, I wanted to be like, oh, they're 
animals do this too, sir. So there you go. I I don't know why I'm trying to comfort him. He's a monster. <laughs> but I feel like, um, you know, it's good uh, for him to like get another perspective, I guess. So those are mine for Hannibal Lecter. Love it. Okay. Well, I'm talking about one of my absolutely favorite uh, people, characters in the world, in the the horror movie world, and that is Ghostface uh, from the Scream films. Uh, Ghostface is always, because uh, spoiler, I guess, like usually whoever is wearing the ghost face mask ultimately dies in the end. Um, but uh, so there are different people that wear the mask and are ghost face. So kind of um, the book recs are for the people that are ultimately seeking revenge or attention in their life. Uh, because that is why, at least in the five films that I've seen, I haven't seen the, the latest um that is what they are why they are here why they're there also the reason i haven't seen it is because they did not pay nev campbell enough and she deserves better so good for her for standing her ground and being like i deserve nice. my money for this franchise so anyways um but i'm, I'm sure it's okay <laughs> um all right so Recently, because Aaron had talked about Peter Swanson on the podcast, I got intrigued by this thriller uh, writer and realized then that Jessica had talked about this book at the August Book Bash. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it just in case you missed that um, or were like on the edge of getting it because I think you should. And that is The Kind We're Saving by Peter Swanson. It's the his book that came out this year. Um, it is a follow-up to the book The Kind We're killing um so there's uh, a couple characters that are in there but as i had not read that book before there was nothing lost on me because it's a new story for sure um and so this centers on that you know there's a wife and she suspects that her husband is cheating on her and so she hires her former teacher that had quit teaching became a cop and then um because of whatever happened in the kind worth killing, he is no longer a police officer and has now become a private investigator. And so she hires him to investigate this, uh, like what's going on with her husband. Well, that event, that investigation ultimately ends in murder, uh, which puts Joan, the wife, uh, she has now been on the periphery of three suspicious deaths. Um, and so Henry has kind of realized that because one of them happened while they were in, while he was the high school teacher, um, this incident, uh, had occurred. And so he is determined to put everything together because he is very, you know, that's the detective brain and the person that he is. He, he wants to leave no stone unturned. Um, and so the reason why I'm recommending this to Ghostface is because this is basically a story about people that have killing tendencies and they find each other. Um, and in at least two or three of the five Scream movies that I've seen, there are multiple killers. Uh, and... Uh, so they, um, you know, they found each other somehow, whether it was a couple of them were online in a chat room and all of this kind of stuff. And they just like start talking to each other and realize they want to murder people just because like they like people. Yeah. What? Like, no way. Me too. Is that your Bumble profile? <laughs> like, uh, Amazing. Michelle, I just read The Kind Worth Killing, which would also work very well because oh. it is a... The kind worth killing are people who wrong them Ooh. 
and that they deserve it, which is really in line with Ghostface here. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now I am going to have to go back and read that one first or to two. Um, because, yeah, it's a, it's a weird romance trope that I don't know if we really want or not. But, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a uh, – yeah. <laughs> uh, but I really like the book and the layout. You know, it is, uh, quote, spectacularly devious. Uh, we get kind of a multiple POV. You know, you're kind of in Joan's perspective. But it's still um, – but it's never told from a first person narrative. So, uh, but you kind of are seeing what Henry, the PI is seeing, what Joan, the wife is seeing, what this other third party man is, is seeing um, and how all of these stories are ultimately connecting. And um, it kind of goes back and forth in like a part one where it's Henry and Joan, then it's part two is just two other people. And it it was just a really interesting, um, layout uh or format for the storytelling um and so yeah i think ghostface might be into both those peter swanson novels then um and then ghostface you know sometimes you just need to laugh and like maybe that'll help chill you out um or maybe refocus your energy on who's who's really ultimately responsible for some of the bad things in life which is not necessarily just your neighbor or your classmate and that kind of thing. And so I want to have you read And I Do Not Forgive You, Stories and Other Revenges by Amber Sparks, which is a short story collection that came out in 2020. Um, it's essentially some very um, irreverent uh, stories uh, that center on um, women um, and their experiences, but also like, but not in the realistic world. There's a blend of fairy tales and myths and kind of like technology, not quite in a um, black mirror way, but in just this like shades of something weird is happening and, and going on like kind of thing. Um, a little bit like bliss montage uh, written by Ling Ma. Yeah. Each story is vivid and unexpected and satisfyingly weird. So it's, you know, dark and sardonic um but and like caustic and stuff and so like i think ghostface can just you know instead of going out with his knife her knife their knife just chill read some books laugh a little bit about like other people maybe getting some of their comeuppance or just realizing that you know (laughs) there's more to life than killing people hopefully um i mean sometimes there might be some weird stuff that happens in these books but uh ultimately they're just like it's fun weird fiction i just have a weird tangent you mentioned i did not know that that is why neff campbell was not in six which so i just restarted Mm -hmm. watching the scream series this last weekend and in the fourth one they mention how the stab movies get weird after a certain number because sydney prescott sued them for using her life story when i was like what about like life imitating art here like this happened for real <laughs> yeah oh that's, that's funny. so meta that's yep. so yep. it's like three layers i love it it's mm-hmm. a good series mm-hmm. so yeah um go watch it go read some of these books i only have the two for Ghostface right now but um Anna, um, back to cool. you. Yeah. So my other uh, monster that I'm going to recommend some books for is Carrie, who I really actually kind of hesitate to call her a monster. Yeah. I just really feel bad for it. So Stephen King's Carrie. So she's a 
bullied and abused teen that uh, discovers like once she like gets her her period, and then after that, her like telekinetic powers like come into like full bloom and she can like do all kinds of wild things with the power of her mind um revenge is a thing that happens to be on her mind because of how um terribly she's treated by pretty much everyone in her life so the books that i focus on for her were uh, a lot of them said about like set in high school or books that talk about like bullying or kind of like friendships and trying to like navigate your way through uh, through life I mean I don't know like I being a teen girl was like probably the worst uh, <laughs> worst phase in my life and I don't have telekinetic powers and was abused at that level so like I can't imagine like Carrie had it pretty rough um, I've talked about this book on the podcast before but I love it so I just feel like I have to mention it here uh, Bunny by Mona Awad um which is like Heather's meets the craft meets mean girls. So some of the common themes in this are like latent powers, friendships, revenge, and uh, literature is also a theme in Bunny, not so much in Carrie, but um, it's a dark academia story. That's darkly funny, a little bit gory. And it's also told by an unreliable narrator. Um I was thinking more about mean girls and the inspiration for that movie. Mean girls is actually a nonfiction book called Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. Um, the subtitle is Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip Boys, The New Realities of Girl World. Um, Wiseman delves into the relationships of teen girls, like relationships of all types, like with their families, with their friends, with their romantic partners. Um, the archetypal archetypal roles that are played in a lot of social situations and then also girls' relationships with themselves. So while this is maybe written more for a parent, and obviously, like Carrie's mom would have really benefited from reading uh, this book probably too. But uh, Carrie herself, like I think if she, it might just help like frame her existence in a way where she doesn't feel quite as like alone or feels maybe some comfort in just knowing this is a very strange like temporary phase that people navigate, you know, puberty is terrible. And um, yeah, so I think it, maybe it would, provide some comfort for her just to know that this isn't what her life is going to be like for the rest of time. Um, and also my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix. So this is a campy eighties horror book that's centered on friendship. It's also directly funny. We get strong female characters. It's a very nostalgic story. So if you have any like eighties nostalgia uh, tendencies, you should definitely pick this one up. It's the, a story about high school, best friends and demonic possession. You know, they go hand in hand. So readers are going to wonder if one of the main characters is truly possessed or is she just a really moody teen that's going through it. So I thought Carrie might be able to relate to to those characters. So um, yeah, Carrie, read these books and just skip your prom. Just don't go. It's fine. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yep, for sure. Okay, my next one is a trio. It's the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus. I mean, I don't call them monsters either, although they do suck the souls of children, but they are also people I would like to hang out with, which is like weird. Yeah. Um, so my first thought was like, they should start a book club. Like, a, and I thought they could start with books that are just about other magical sisters. So I would recommend to them Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman, Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez Gilliland, and then Black Candle Woman by Diane Marie Brown, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks um, for our book club episode. 
Um, but I also couldn't help to like, but think about like, I would like as their friend, I would like to steer them in some other not soul sucking children direction. So if we, if you know Hocus Pocus, they're all like obsessed with the idea of like not dying and not growing older. But I feel like Winifred is the most obsessed with like youth and not getting older. Um, so for Winifred, I just wanted to like kind of like let her know that like getting older is beautiful and it's okay. So for her, I wanted to recommend a book called Growing Old Notes on Aging with something like Grace by Elizabeth Marshall Thomas. Wrinkles are pretty. And, you know, this is not what that book's about, but like death is like an important part of life. So like, you know, that's for her. Um, Mary from the movies, we know Mary has like a really, her skill is her nose. She's really good at sniffing out children. And I imagine that she's also really good about, she can smell other things too. Um, so I just thought I'd like let her know that she could use those skills for other things. <laughs> so there's a book called Revelations in Air, a guidebook to smell by Jude Stewart. Um, and this is a little description of it. Smell can collapse space and time, unlocking memories and transporting us to worlds both new and familiar. Yet as clearly as each of us can recognize different smells, the bright tang of citrus, freshly sharpened pencils, parched earth after rain, few of us understand how and why we smell. And Revelations in Air, Jude Stewart takes us on a fascinating journey into the weird and wonderful world of smell. There's so many other things she could smell besides children. Beautiful things. Ooh. Very nice. And then Sarah... I think Sarah is the fun sister. I think she's the least dedicated to this this thing. She's also the youngest and kind of the prettiest, but she is also like super boy crazy and just like fun at heart. I feel like if we could just offer her a life of like, why don't you just go like find the modern dating scene? She would be totally okay. So I just was going to recommend to her a couple like rom-com books that are witchy. And then I think she would find a whole other world that she liked. The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, which I uh, really like. There's a second one too that is about like a small town witch. Um, and then I just think she'd be into romance books. I think she just likes romance and likes being in love um, and still has a crush on Billy, the the dead guy. <laughs> so, um, so for Sarah, I just want her to like get to live a modern life and, and date around. Um, so that's what I have for the Sanderson sisters. I love it. Okay. One of the classics and the mascot of uh, my child's favorite place in the whole wide world, which is Spirit Halloween. <laughs> uh, and if you didn't know, the mascot is the Grim Reaper. Um, and so, um, but one of my favorite portrayals of the Grim Reaper is the Grim Reaper in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And I haven't seen Bill and Ted face the music, but I did see that the Grim Reaper is in it. And that makes me so happy. So I'll have to uh, watch that this week if I can. Okay. But for a Grim Reaper who is essentially the person that is not responsible for killing people, but is responsible for helping them in their afterlife and navigate them to their final destination, if you will. Um, and so within that, I um, this book has been making the rounds. I don't know if you guys have seen the cover, but it, it's gaining some popularity. And so it's called The Collected Regrets of Clover by Mickey Brommer. Um, on the cover, it's kind of, I would assume it's Clover, which is our main character, uh, uh, this this woman, and she's holding like a bouquet of flowers like behind her back. Uh, so it's very kind of a colorful thing. 
So um, it's in your general relationship fiction genre, um, and it's a very character-driven story. So um, Clover, again, our main character, she happens to, like, unexpectedly be witness to two people die. They die just, like, right in front of her. One is a teacher. Um, And so she kind of... develops um, a somewhat healthy obsession with death and that leads her into a career of being a death doula Um, and a death doula being the person that is helps similar to and as she compares it to being like a birth doula who is helping bring life into the world it's the person that helps you exit this world um, essentially and so she helps people with the process of dying which you know, can include like your funeral planning, your last wishes, any letters that you want to write and that kind of thing. So, and she's talking to people about their life and ultimately their regrets in life. Um, And so Clover kind of uh, determines that she's not, she doesn't want to live a life of regret. However, she is, uh, is a single woman and doesn't have many friends. She really struggles with connecting with people outside of her job. Um, Is never like identifies as lonely, but you know, it's just unsure of things. And so the latest client that she meets, uh, this older woman, uh, when she's talking with her, she discovers that she has a long lost love and that Clover uh, is determined then to uncover this forgotten love story. And so she takes a trip and it introduces her to new people. um, And she does some of her own reflecting on her own life's regrets. Um, And so a bit of a, not a coming of age in that way, but of coming to yourself story. Um, and it was very heartwarming and moving. Um, and so if that's kind of your thing, then the, but the Grim Reaper, I think would be into it. Cause you know, I'm sure he has a soft side and it never hurts to see like what is happening before people die and, and stuff so that you can help usher them into the next life or, or whatever happens after you die. Which also brings me to my other recommendation for the Grim Reaper, which is there is no good card for this. What to say and do when life is scary, awful, and unfair to people you love by Kelsey Crow and Emily McDowell. So it really centers on compassion and empathy and like what we can do for um, each other while we exist in this world. And so the Grim Reaper, when you meet people after they've just had this like big thing happen to them... (laughs) Make sure you're showing them some compassion and empathy, my friend. Um... Some of the big like tenets from this book are your kindness is your credential, meaning that like you don't have to have a degree in being a good person. Your kindness is enough. Um, listening speaks volumes. Again, just just sit there and listen to people when they're telling you about their hard times. Um, and small gestures make a big difference. You don't always have to send like the meal for the meal train if that's not what you can do cards are good. Other small gestures of just checking in with people make a big difference on the other end for the person experiencing a crisis or something scary. Um, and um, that book is also like a really fun print read. It's very colorful and the text, uh, different things and stuff. It has some different charts of like, say this, not that type of thing too. So if you're looking for something just to kind of help you, if you have some people in your life that are experiencing some not so great things, Um, this is a good one to kind of just learn how to navigate those conversations. Um, and one book that I haven't read, but I think I just, when I saw it, I have to recommend to the Grim Reaper because again, I think they'd be interested in what's happening here on earth before the people die. Um, 
And so that is all the living and the dead, from embalmers to executioners, an exploration of the people who have made death their life's work by Haley Campbell. So um, a narrative nonfiction uh, that is talking about uh, a slightly taboo topic, which is death. So she's interviewed people um, that work in death every day, from the detectives, morticians, embalmers, crime scene cleaners, executioners, um, and talking to them about um, all of that stuff that uh, you know, the psychology of Western death, like how we in the Western world um, relate to talk about death. So Grim Reaper, check it out. Not that you're all about death. And I do apologize if that was offensive and you wanted romance. There is also the dead romantics. I can't remember now who the author is, but that would be my other one. Cause it's also about ghosts. Or something falling in love, if I remember correctly. But yeah. Now I just want to think of the Grim Reaper as like a death doula. Like, I mean, you're already dead by the time that he yeah. gets to you. But like, he's uh-huh. just, his job is literally just, he's like the ferryman. He's just there to get you to where you're going. Yes. So yes. he's not scary. He's there as a helper. <laughs> yeah, definitely not scary. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I would really like, a, like an image of just a Grim Reaper reading like, ghost romances though that i like that visual oh now gosh. yes he's yeah. just looking for romance and there's only one grim reaper so you're kind of by yourself <laughs> uh-huh i bet yeah yeah don't fall in love oh my god is there oh my gosh is there a romance about the grim reaper falling in love surely <gasps> if not yeah. someone get on it yeah. um okay. michelle do you have a bonus one do you want to offer i do have do a bonus. It. let's and go so for I'll it i'll try to real quickly but when we were brainstorming characters, uh, it was just too fun, um, and there was too many. But I would like to also recommend a couple books for Wednesday Adams, who is the oldest of the Adams children, is our favorite spooky girl. Uh, you know, it wears nothing but black and white. Not a fan of color. Do not put it on her, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, a couple books. Um, so. <laughs> The longest book I've read so far this year is Imaginary Friend by Stephen Jabosky. Uh, it came out in 2019. You might recognize the author's name. He's the author of The Perks of Being a Wallflower and hadn't written a book since that book. Um, and so finally wrote one and comes out with this like massive tome of a horror, um, hor- not even thriller, but like a, a cross between like sci-fi or dark fantasy and, um, and horror. Uh, and quite epic uh it's almost ultimately a tale of good versus evil um and truly impressive in its scope as for being a 25 hour audiobook there were some redundancies but you also kind of realize those those redundancies were intentional um so anyways essentially um our main character christopher he's seven years old he and his mom um, have escaped an abusive um, partner and so are now in a new small town. Um, and Christopher wanders into the woods and is gone for six days. And um, But ultimately does come back and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Uh, and now Christopher has, um, has kind of become a gifted child. He can do all of the the math and the reading and writing and all this other stuff that he couldn't do before he's excelling at. Um, But with that, he's also getting debilitating headaches and having 
some strange revelations. Um, and then also a mysterious sickness is spreading throughout the community. Um, and Christopher is being told by someone, the person that rescued him from this place for six for six days that he has to build a tree house and then he has to do it by Christmas day. Um, otherwise terrible things are going to happen essentially. And so, as I said, that everyone in the town is getting sick. Um, and so he builds a tree house and when he goes in, he has now entered the imaginary world. Um, and essentially is, then there's the sissy lady and the nice man that helped him um, are in a long-term battle and he has to help the nice man. Um, otherwise, again, everyone in the town is going to fall ill to this sickness, which also includes some very disturbing scenes of people hurting themselves, uh, people hurting other people um, and that kind of thing. So this is like, in that medium gore factor, um, it's like this is probably the most I can handle when it comes to kind of violence in a book um, in this way. Uh, but yeah, it's incredibly immersive. Um, essentially, the whole time I was thinking, I was like, this reminds me so much of Stranger Things. But if it was from like Will's perspective and when Will went into the upside down and then came back and he was still like he if Will was trying to keep going back to the upside down. Um, and that type of thing. Um, so I think Wednesday would be into it because it's hella creepy. Um, and like the imaginary friend aspect, the mystery aspect of what's going on. We learned from like the Wednesday TV series that she might be into kind of solving mysteries and um, wanting to know more of what's going on and that kind of thing. So um, that is imaginary friend. And then I know Aaron also read... Uh, this little J fiction book called The Skull by John Klassen. Uh, it's a based on a uh, Trilean uh, folk tale, and it's essentially about this uh, little girl Attila who finds herself lost in a dark forest, uh, escaping a terrible danger, and she comes upon a cabin, and there's a skull there um, who's afraid of something too, and so they form a very lovely kind of friendship, actually. Um, and end up helping each other um, escape their their scary thing. So uh, it's a very short uh, chapter book. Um, and that's actually like for being like kind of suspenseful, creepy or scary was also very sweet. Um, and so and has some, if you've seen John Klassen's uh, illustrations, they're really lovely. He's the one with like the bear that lost his hat or give me my hat mm -hmm. back and that type of thing. And so um, it's it's really fun. And then just because um, definitely want to recognize uh, Wednesday's Latina roots. Um, and so um, in the Wednesday series, there's like a time where she's like in her room studying and she's like listening to La Llorona, um, like or a song about La Llorona. And so uh, have to mention then The Haunting of Alejandro by V. Castro, even though Wednesday would absolutely hate this cover um, because it's very colorful and flowers and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's about a woman that is haunted by the Mexican folk demon La Llorona as she unravels the dark secrets of her family history in this ravishing and provocative horror novel. Um, and so... Um. Yeah, Wednesday. Some books for you. I like that you recommended the skull because the skull character really feels like a. It's like, um, yeah, it a feels thing. like thing because she like carries yeah. the skull around and uh -huh. it's like yeah, this is perfect. 
Yes. Yes. Amazing. Okay. And I also figured if she does read Imaginary Friend, she's going to want a short book yeah. after. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, so thoughtful, Michelle. So Six. thoughtful. Yes. Uh, well, I hope – I was going to say, if you see yourselves in these characters, some of these are characters I hope you could see yourself in, but some of them not. Like, I hope you don't see yourself in Hannibal Lecter. Um, yeah. But the other one like, – or Ghostface. Ghostface is pretty bad. But, uh, you know, the other ones. So maybe there's books in here for you. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Let's talk about Queer of the Week. Query of the week this week is we we asked this from different people in a couple different ways. So the question basically is who's your favorite fictional monster or spooky character or spooky friends? So you can answer that however you want. Anna, who's your favorite? So I went the spooky character route, and the first person I thought of this time around was Elvira. Yeah. I was like obsessed with her when she was a kid, or when I was a kid. Like she just like looked really different and cool from anybody else I had seen on television. I feel like, um, and also like I, I don't know a ton about her as a person, but like the little bit of reading that I have done about her, she seems just like a really interesting, mm-hmm. like cool lady who I would like be totally down to hang out with in real life. Um, yeah. So Elvira is is who I'm feeling right now. Cool. Love that. She does have a memoir. Mm-hmm. I saw Yours that. Truly, Elvira. It. Yeah, it came yeah. up fairly recently. I feel. Uh huh. Like, I think last, in 2020, like, if not 21 or something. But yeah, yeah. In, in the last couple of years for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know one of it's constantly one of our staff picks. So one <laughs> oh, of our really? staff people's really into it because oh. it always has a bookmark and stuff. So okay. yeah. Noted. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, there's a ton that I absolutely love, but one of my favorites is Casper. Uh, as a child that grew up in the nineties, uh, the, the Christina Ricci movie uh, was everything to us. Uh, the little like Saturday morning cartoon was adorable. Uh, so Casper was kind of inescapable and just like so lovable. Um, and so I loved a spooky, friendly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost. So, yeah. Casper's great. Um, I went for fictional monster. And this monster is not really scary, but he is or they are a monster. And that is Domo. And if you don't know Domo, Domo is this Japanese mascot who's basically like their PBS mascot, essentially. And he's just this little brown monster. His mouth is always open. He has big teeth. Um, and like he has, his character has been used for a lot of other things, but there were essentially like these little stop motion, um, animations or videos that you could watch with him. And one of my favorite photographs in the entire world, is a picture of Domo in pumpkins. Like I've been obsessed with this photo. It's just a photo that someone took of like a stuffed Domo in a pumpkin patch. And I love it with every ounce of my being. <laughs> um, so I love cute. Domo in general for something like, I was literally obsessed with him a few years ago. Just his image, like not even watching the cart, like the character, the animations, like just his cuteness. He's so cute as a little monster. Um, but you can find Domo in lots of uh, Halloween uh, images. I have a little stuffed Domo that has a pumpkin outfit. Oh. So as ah. being, he's actually a monster. Perfect. He's a very, I mean, he like lives with a rabbit. He's like, not mean, but he is a monster. So Domo. If you don't know who Domo is, please go look up pictures of Domo because it like is so joyful. 
you've opened up a whole new word oh world uh, so to me yeah uh we got some listener responses yeah um so david says the pale man from pan's labyrinth yeah he went the uh monster monster route um an anonymous says super grover and i love that I love answer that. so much i was a grover girl when i was in like he was my fave uh sesame street character i totally remember super grover like yeah so thank you for that take um, whoever and the that. classic there's a monster at the end of this formative yes! right oh so formative <laughs> amazing yeah. oh so good i can picture yeah. it vividly still. uh-huh classic so good uh, all right, and Elizabeth says uh, Maricat Blackwood from We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And Nicole says The Creature from Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. He's not a monster. He's a misunderstood person with daddy issues. <laughs> uh, yes, and then Taylor, another shout-out for Frankenstein. He deserves love and compassion, or Frankenstein's monster. He deserves love and compassion, so lots of call-outs for Frankenstein's monsters to be, you know, taken out of the monster category, maybe. Um, Eric says the ghost of Christmas present, which I thought was a very, like, interesting monster. Yeah, I love that. And then Peyton said Pyramid Head from Silent Hill, which I think I can picture this. And Silent Hill is so creepy. It's a video game, and then there was a movie, and blah. But yeah, creepy. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) Blah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, I think that is this oh, our. <laughs> I just, sorry. I just, now you're right. Now I need to go just, look it up because I can't. I just googled it because I didn't know what it was, and I. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna before we sorry. end. Oh no, I hate it. That's not what I remember. I don't yeah, like it. I hate it so much. Oh, man, <laughs> that was. This is why this was hard because I was like, I don't. I like Ghostface because Ghostface has like such, like cultural relevance for us in many ways not only because he's like mckinnon's favorite but like but like in yeah. terms of like monster yeah. i don't like love Candyman. i don't like love michael myers like <laughs> right i like the cute cuddly ones weird <laughs> yeah no oh gosh, i yeah. same i'm such a baby with all things horror totally. like just yeah like just looking at that picture is probably gonna give me yeah. nightmares like yeah too fragile for this world (laughs) amazing okay well uh that's our episode watch opl social media on fridays for our new episode and to see our upcoming query of the week if you want to send us your answers or connect with us for any reason you can email us at the book drop at omahalibrary.org we will link all of the books and things we talked about in our episode description so you can find them there and that is our episode thanks for joining us on the book drop the Book Drop is produced by Omaha Public Library. Our theme music is Trapped in Amber, courtesy of the band Lucid Fugue. Don't forget to subscribe to The Book Drop on your favorite podcast app and like and follow Omaha Public Library on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on The Book Drop. <laughs>